him were going on their way home. They were going home from Calvary, home from the feast. The party was over. The lights had been turned out. And as far as they were concerned, everything concerning Jesus was over with. As they walked, one whom they did not recognize joined them. And he asked the question that you might ask if you joined people who were walking together. He said, what are you talking about? They said, why, we're talking about the things that have happened over these past few days. Things? What things, he said. Ah, you must be a stranger indeed. And they began to tell them all about Jesus, what he had done. And they closed by saying, we had hoped that he was the Messiah. But now he's dead and it's all over with. Their newfound friend then opened to their hearts the word of God. And as the word of God always does, there he found the answer to their questions. Beginning with Moses through all of the Old Testament scriptures, he highlighted those parts that foretold of the sufferings and the death of God's Messiah. As they neared their village, he was going to leave them. But they begged him to come with them. He came in, and as he prayed over their meal, they realized who he was. Vanishing from their eyes, now hurriedly they made their preparations and quickly returned to Jerusalem, setting a world record for the seven-mile dash where they found gathered together in the same upper room the disciples in defeat. Having entered the room, they said, And now the Lord has risen indeed. How count, account we for the transformation of these men from one moment to the next? As they traveled down the road to Emmaus, their religion was in their head. They had all of the facts straight. But that was all that they had. On the return trip, and as they found the apostles, they had their religion in their hearts, and they had something overwhelming to share. The most important journey in the world is that journey of about 18 inches from the head to the heart that the knowledge of and grace of God makes as it takes root in our lives, sets up housekeeping within us, and transforms us. Sometimes we lose the emotion in our religion as though God could affect the total man and alter our eternities without affecting our emotions. We fail to realize sometimes that all of life's great decisions are based upon emotions. Tonight... I want us simply to look briefly with Luke 24 as our guide at what happens to individuals before and after heartfelt religion. It is quite a contrast. It would draw the eye of a reader as much as some of the before and after ads in the Sunday paper do. Before heartfelt religion, notice this. Before heartfelt religion, their hearts were very cold. They were talking in, an, in a sterile manner about the things which had happened. They now were detached. They were observers. They were spectators and their hearts had grown cold. Before a heart felt religion, they moved slowly and without purpose. Before they recognized the Lord, they were neither expecting nor experiencing anything. And it is a fact that if you expect much from God, you will never be disappointed. 
And if you expect little from God, you will seldom be surprised. We need to expect before we, we plan to experience what God has for us. They were not expecting or experiencing anything. It says that their eyes were holding. They did not recognize Him. And that was not too difficult for had they seen Him, still they would not have thought that it could possibly be Jesus. They were just not expecting anything. Their religion had not traveled from head to heart. They had received the excited testimony of eyewitnesses to the resurrection. And yet they were unmoved. Unmoved even by eyewitness testimony of their friends. Before heartfelt religion, their lives were filled with sadness. The Lord Jesus asked them when he joined them, What are you talking about as you walk together and are sad? Their hearts were filled with sadness. Before heartfelt religion, they had the correct theology. They had the correct chronology. But there was no doxology on their religion. They were busy talking in the third person. In verse 20, it says, We had hoped. Verse 22, Certain women, them, they found him not. Certain of them went to the sepulcher. But him they saw not. Talking in the third person. Head felt religion will produce figureheads. It will produce sore heads. It will produce dead heads, hot heads, and not heads. But it will not produce anybody that's going to do anything for God. And heartfelt religion is not a matter of culture and education. Wouldn't you rather say, hear a man in stammering grammar say, I have saw the Lord, than to hear some educated head religionist say, I have beheld the majesty of transcendent deity when he hadn't seen anything. Head felt religion will produce everything except what it ought to produce. Here were the saints of the lagging steps and the downcast look going home from the grave. And surely they inspired that old gospel song when the saints come dragging in. <laughs> they had walked with Jesus Christ for a long time. And yet they still didn't know who He was. How sad to live on the wrong side of heartfelt religion. But then notice after heartfelt religion when our faith has made the trip from head to heart their eyes were opened notice in verse 31 their eyes were opened and they knew him they suddenly as they recognized the Lord realized all that he was and all that he had said as he had promised to be raised from the dead after heartfelt religion their hearts were ignited. They said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us? Now in the Greek, that says literally, Did not our hearts flame up into fire as He spoke to us? Heartfelt religion is not cold and calculating. It is not pessimistic. It is optimistic. It is alive. It is a flaming fire. After heartfelt religion, 
they began to talk in the first person. In verse 32, they quit saying, well, those women said they saw him, and some of the others, they went to the tomb. In verse 32, they began to say, our hearts burned within us. And after heartfelt religion, they got in a hurry. Before, they were walking slowly and without purpose. But after heartfelt religion, they got in a hurry and literally dashed the seven miles back to Jerusalem to share the good news of the resurrection. And then after heartfelt religion, they began to tell the story of what Jesus had done. Before, they coldly recounted facts. Before, they talked in sad terms. Before, they talked without hope. But afterwards, their hearts were full of hope and full of optimism, and they began to tell the story. When they got back to the disciples, they didn't say, By the way, fellas, we were just going down the road to Emmaus before supper, and we saw the Lord. When they returned to the upper room, they said, The Lord is risen indeed. After heartfelt religion, they added the indeed to their ministry. And the trouble with many who claim to be Christians is that there is no indeed on their ministry, on their lives, and on their witness. They tell the world by their casual attitude, by their negative attitudes, by their criticism, and by their lack of enthusiasm about Jesus that it doesn't matter whether you know Jesus or not. Why should the world want what you have? Are you any different? Is there any reason, anything winsome, anything exciting, anything positive that they should desire? After heartfelt religion, there is an indeed an excitement, an inflammatory touch that is added to our religion. Many are not excited because they have nothing to be excited about. Because they have no experience with the Lord about which to testify. But after heartfelt religion, it is there. Notice that before religion traveled from head to heart, they were living in the past. Before religion traveled from head to heart, they were living on second-hand experience. But afterwards, they forgot about the past, they forgot about the crucifixion, all they could think about was the resurrection. And they got in a hurry, their hearts aflame. And there's a question to be dealt with tonight. Do you live before or after heartfelt religion? You are either one place or the other. No amount of blaming, no amount of accusation, no amount of explanation will alleviate the fact that you are either living before or after heartfelt religion. There He is. He is there in our midst. Our eyes can be opened. We can become inflammatory and excited and add the note of excitement and expectation to our ministry. Will you live before or after? He is not dead. He is alive. And there is no reason, no justification to live on the other side of the resurrection. Live after heartfelt religion. And today, 
And tomorrow, allow the Lord Jesus to make a difference in the world around you as you make waves with the good news that He is indeed alive. May we pray. Father, forgive us when our lives testify that there is no difference between those who are saved and those who are not. Forgive us when we take our eyes off of you. Forgive us when we are dominated by trivia. When we cooperate with Satan and believe circumstances. When we become like he is the accuser of our brethren. And Father, my prayer is that as we walk life's way and you join us, our eyes may be opened. And we shall live after religion travels from head to heart. Father, ignite us, inflame us, draw from us tonight life-changing commitment, and we shall praise you for it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.